Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Deepa Bhatt and Dr. Megan Gray, who are residents at Albany Medical Center in Albany, New York. Deepa is a chief resident. She's originally from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. She completed college at the University of Michigan and medical school at Rush Medical College. Her primary academic interests are aesthetic surgery, Mohs and facial flap reconstruction, and diversity in surgery. Megan is a fifth-year resident. She's originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She completed college at the University of Pittsburgh and medical school at Penn State. Her primary academic interests are breast reconstruction and hand surgery. Deepa, Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. So I'd love to start by hearing a broad overview about your program in Albany. So here in Albany, New York, it's a smaller town vibe that we have over here. However, we have a very large catchment area in Albany, so our hospital is actually quite busy. We're one of the only level one trauma centers in upstate New York. The next closest is more down towards New York City, so we really do see a large breadth of things up in Albany. But like I said, however, we are the capital of the state of New York, but it is a smaller town, more of the suburban feel that we have up here in Albany. Can you tell me about how many years the program is and how many residents you take? So it's a six-year program. We take two residents a year. And the first three years, you get quite a bit of plastic surgery experience. So you always start either in July or August on service. So you'll right away get plastic surgery experience. So three months your first year, four months, your second year, and then six months, third year, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth, it's all completely plastic surgery. And then when you're on non-plastic services, unless you're on trauma surgery or emergency medicine, you do have the opportunity to always scrub with a plastic surgery service. So that's what a lot of our residents do when they're on neurosurgery and there aren't as many relevant cases, they come over and they double scrub with us, which is an awesome experience for them. And what are some of the different sites that you work at? So we have our main medical campus, which is Albany Medical Center, and that's the big level one trauma center. That's where a majority of our cases happen. We do also have a outpatient center, which is just down the road. There's even a shuttle that connects the two, and that's where we'll do a lot of things like breast reductions, outpatient surgery. Sometimes we do our breast reconstruction over there because there is a short stay unit where patients can stay one night. And that's primarily the two places that we do rotate at. However, there's multiple private practice providers in the area that we do rotate as we become more senior. And we're also expanding and we're going up to Saratoga Hospital, which is Saratoga's the town just about an hour north of here, not even really. And there's a couple different sites up there that we can also operate, which has been a new opportunity for us as the medical center has expanded. We've acquired other health systems and it continues to grow further north into the area where there isn't a lot of really a lot of medical centers in general up that way. So that's where we go. In terms of private practice, there's six to seven private practice surgeons in the area that we rotate with. Actually, several of them have in-office operating suites. So we are able to go and operate with them uh, in their office. And then with our other private practice attendings, we do in-office procedures with them and learn how to do injectables and things like that there. And in some of those newer sites that are farther away, how would you say either like the case mix is different or the patient population is different? 
definitely different. So the Saratoga site, which is the newer rotation that we have, it's really only a couple days a week because we're building it right now, but it primarily consists of breast reconstruction, really just alloplastic reconstruction. We're not doing free flaps up there, but we do get the opportunity to go up. You work at the breast center. There's a hospital up there, which is a very nice hospital, actually. And so it's a little more of a laid back rotation. You get one-on-one -on -one experience with your attending and really get to be the first assist person basically managing everything up there, which is really nice. And where do you get like your peds experiences? So that's at the main hospital. We have a craniofacial surgeon, Dr. Carpenter. She is the director of the craniofacial center here at Albany Med. She's awesome. She's an incredible surgeon and she's a wonderful teacher. So we do it really all at the main. We have a very good relationship with neurosurgery. We do all of our obviously cranial vaults with them. And then we do our baby lumps and bumps cases at the ambulatory surgery center. And we are a cleft craniofacial center, which means that uh, we have everything that comes along with that, like speech therapy, dentists, genetics, et cetera. And are there any independent residents or fellows at your program? Not currently, no. And can you tell me a bit about what call is like? So call is, I think, arranged really nicely in this program because you are never alone as a junior resident. We take buddy calls. So you're always on with, as a one, two, or three, you're always on with a four or five or six. But how it usually works is that you go in, you see the console, you come up with your assessment and your plan, and you talk to your senior resident about it. And if they agree, or if they have any questions, you'll have a back and forth with them. And once you guys have both established a plan, then the attending will be added. And if it's something complex or if it's an intern that's on call, the senior resident will always come in and see it with you. But it is home call for both of you, which is nice. And if you are a junior resident, so that's one through three, you get a post-call day, whether or not you're taking trauma call or non-trauma call. So you always go home at 9 a.m. the next day, which prevents you from going over your hours. So it really protects you from that. And we share trauma call with orthopedic surgery and uh, ENT. So we share hand and face call with them. So one week we're on for both. And then one week we're on just for general plastics, but we're also just always on for general plastics. Most places I've talked to do not get a post-call day. I'm glad that you highlighted that because I think that's really awesome. And it shows a commitment to resident well-being. Yes. We even have a wellness director at our residency program, Dr. Carpenter. Yeah, she's great. So she's uh, spearheading that initiative. And our program director, Dr. Patel, is also really well known for his initiatives and talks nationally on wellness. What's your mid-level support like? We do have mid-level providers. We have physician assistants that do work in our clinic. And so they see really a ton of people more than we could ever really accommodate with just us and our attendings. So they see a lot of post-op patients. They'll sometimes screen new consults that come in that then would go to the attending for further evaluation. Say they need surgery, say it's something a little more complicated of an in-office procedure that they don't feel comfortable doing, they'll bump it up the chain to a higher level provider. And they help us out all the time with kind of little things that come in, sending prescriptions for patients throughout the day. So they're really invaluable, honestly, and seeing a lot of these people for us. However, we do not have any PAs at the moment or any kind of inpatient providers that would work with us on the floors. So that is primarily our job. But again, they're always helpful for the outpatient stuff that we have to do. 
And are there opportunities for like electives either so months that you could like choose at your own institution to focus on something in particular or months you could actually spend away? So that's, I think, a really huge draw to this program is that you get a month as a fifth year resident and a month as a, a chief resident to go anywhere you want, not just in the country, but in the world. So I know we have one of our residents that's really trying to go to India for a month to work with a microsurgeon there. I, just because of COVID, didn't have the chance to leave. So everything was a little bit shut down, but for my elective this year, I'm trying to go international as well and learn from some aesthetic surgeons. So I think it's a rare opportunity and you have that month completely off in terms of you're not in the call pool. So you have no other clinical responsibilities in Albany. So you really can just go wherever you want. And are there any opportunities for any like shorter kind of mission trip experiences as well? I think that there's no one in terms of attendings in our program right now that are setting those up. But if you did want to go for a week, it would come out of your vacation. And so you already started to talk a bit about the private practice surgeons you get to work with. So can you go into a little bit more about when you get to start working with them and how those rotations are set up? I actually have them lumped together. So I'll get a month of private practice and then a month of my elective this year. So I didn't speak on the electives because I haven't had elective time quite yet since I just started. But yes, I will have a month of private practice to work with everyone. I mean, I haven't worked with them yet. However, we do sometimes see them either at our ambulatory center. Sometimes they even end up operating at our main Albany Medical Center if they have privileges there. So we do get at least some contact with them throughout the year, and they're all really awesome to work with. They're happy to have residents. They welcome you into their OR. So it's been so far for me and my limited experience, a good experience. You start getting private practice experience as a five, and then your chief year a great opportunity for me because I'm interested in private practice and aesthetic surgery, but you get six months of private practice as a chief, which is awesome. And I just want to clarify that private practice doesn't necessarily mean that you're only doing aesthetic surgery for six months. Private practice means that you get to work with surgeons of your choosing within the community. And we have a really strong ortho hand presence and they're very welcoming to us as plastic surgery residents. So if you wanted to do a couple months with the private practice hand guys, that's what you would do. So it's not just aesthetic surgery, but in terms of getting your numbers for aesthetic surgery, you really have no problems hitting every single one of those numbers. And are there any injectables or lasers clinics that you get exposed to in the earlier years as well? We have a resident cosmetic clinic, which is really strong. We have injectables the first Thursday of every month. And it's of course a free clinic and that's always really popular and really busy because who doesn't want free Botox? So that starts as a four. So you start injecting as a four. And then if your seniors cases, or if you book a case through the resident cosmetic clinic, then you get to do that as a four or of course a five or a six. What is the experience like with gender affirmation surgery? We do a lot of top surgery here, but we currently do not do any bottom surgery. I know that our program director and our chief, the same person, Dr. Patel, is actively recruiting to get someone here for gender affirmation. We know it's a growing field and we'd like to expand our program to include that. So it's the TBD thing, but we're actively recruiting. And how would you say your program manages resident operative autonomy? 
I think we manage it pretty well here. It's obviously a graded responsibility as you go up the years. They give you more and more responsibility as you go. So everything from simple skin grafts that you start doing in almost your junior years, you get very efficient at that. And then as you work your way up, they let you do more and more of the case to the point where the goal would be to not even have your attending have to scrub the case and oversee you from afar. So by the end of the sixth year, that's things start going towards, unless of course it's a very complex case or something like that, which you would want your help anyway from your attending. But it's a bit of a really good experience so far for me, and I know a lot of residents had seen that progress over the years as they go on. As like an illustrative example, can you walk me through what each PGY level would do in something like a DEEP? As a junior resident, you would be helping, assisting the attending with the pedicle dissection and the closing of the belly to get really comfortable with that. And then before you start learning how to do the chest, And then as a five, you are pretty much comfortable doing the chest and you start doing a little bit of the pedicle dissection. And really as a four, you start doing the micro as well. So four, five, and six, you're doing the micro. Obviously right away, you're not doing the artery in the vein by yourself, you're assisting. But as a chief, you should pretty much be able to do any part of the operation by yourself. And what is the research experience like, both in terms of expectations and opportunities? I was going to mention, actually, in our third year of residency, we have a dedicated research time now where you have several months that are truly dedicated to just focusing on research. And that's nice because it's in the middle of your residency to really focus on things now that you've acquired, hopefully, some projects by that time and allow them to go through fruition basically before you graduate so you're not scrambling at the last moment to get things published. And that has been incorporated into that third year so that you do have the six months that you're doing plastic surgery, but the other six months are all basically plastic surgery based. It's just you do have that research time. You have some time at that Saratoga Center, so you are doing things. It's just intermixed with the research. And a lot of our research, especially here, is more outcomes-based. There's not a large basic science lab. However, if that's something you're interested in, there are residents here that have found mentors for that or found a lab that they can work with. So it's really what you make of it and what you want to accomplish with your research. But a lot of it's like I said, surveys, outcomes, looking at different factors and things of that nature with our different surgeries that we do. I think that if you're interested in something, there's always someone that is willing to help you bring it to fruition. Like I'm really interested in social media's role in plastic surgery and how that affects patient perceptions of advertising, surgeon scale, et cetera. So I thought it would be really cool to do a plastic surgery project about Instagram And I approached uh, my mentors about it and we did it and it's published in PRS. So if you want to do something, if you're interested in it, like they'll make it happen for you. So we have a lot of really good support in that sense. And how about either support like within your department for things like the stats or the IRB or things like that, or like once you're ready to present funding for going to meetings? So what's really awesome about our program is that if you have a podium presentation at a national conference, the entire thing is covered. So if you have a podium presentation at AAPS or ASPS, the program will fund you to go and do that presentation, which is awesome because if you have like three or four presentations, you get to go to all of them and meet a lot of great people, of course, but also share your work with the entire country. It's really cool. And then in terms of IRB, 
the application is pretty straightforward, but in terms of statistics and stuff, we have a statistician for the Department of Surgery that we have access to as well. Is there any limitation on the funding you can get or how many conferences you can go to? I have never hit any roadblocks there. Of course, we couldn't travel during COVID, but no, I, I don't think so. And I will say too, one time I went to a meeting that I only had a poster accepted. It was not a podium presentation, but I was given basically the time off as long as, of course, I had to fund myself, but I really was interested in the meeting and I really wanted to go. And so I was given, it wasn't vacation time. It was just time that I was given off so that I could go attend the meeting on my own terms. So that was really nice as well. And are there any other particularly awesome perks you'd like to share? Well, we get loops your PGY two year. So you get three and a halfs that the division will buy. They use designs for revision, but I think if you want to use any other company, it's completely up to you. And then you have, is that $750? Per year, yes. Per academic calendar year. So when you actually start out as an intern, it's a little bit less because... I think it resets in January. So then you have the 750 after January. So I think when I started, I had less funding. And then as you go on, but it is a use it or lose it sort of situation. So you do have to use your academic money every year or else you lose it, which people have done in the past. I don't know how, but certainly it's a perk. And as far as other labs and stuff, I know we do have actually a really great cadaver lab at Albany Medical Center. It's really also for the medical students, the PA students everyone in the entire center and the college as well. But our one particular attending is very invested in the cadaver lab. And so she ends up getting us kind of sneak peek special access to the cadaver lab so that we can do our own dissections. And that happens fairly frequently, at least I would say once every couple months she's allowed us to. And I think in the future, now that COVID is easing up, we're going to get more access to that as well. I know this year we're adding in micro labs and other things of that nature since we have a practice scope that we can use as well. So those are big advantages. And what area of plastic surgery would you say you have the strongest experience in upon graduation? Oh my gosh, we are so strong in trauma surgery and any sort of, I think our facial fracture volume is just wild. So I again alluded to it, but we are the busiest level one trauma center in the state of New York. Because we have such a large encashment area, pretty much everything gets transferred to us. So by the time you graduate, you are, so in terms of orbital floors, facial fracture, like any sort of facial fractures, pan face, soft tissue reconstruction, because ortho and us, we work very closely together. You are very savvy and free flop reconstruction as well, like with extremity reconstruction. We do head and neck reconstruction at Albany Med. ENT does not do their own flaps. So same thing. I would say micro head and neck reconstruction. So micro head and neck reconstruction and facial trauma and hand trauma, of course. So you are very well-versed in like bread and butter plastic surgery as well as reconstruction. And going along with the catchment area, we're in just this weird pocket because Boston's about three hours to our east and then New York City is about two and a half to the south of us. And then really everywhere else, it's a desert almost, <laughs> I guess a medical desert. I don't know what to call it, but that's, I think, why we get such a breadth of experience. Uh, and even you know, deeps with breast reconstruction, we're now 
going through phases with that, and especially with COVID, we couldn't do as many, but we're doing that at least really once a week. We have a deep flap as well, which I know where I came from and where I went to medical school, it wasn't quite that volume of microsurgery. So I think we have a pretty great experience with that here. It got to a point where we're doing two bilateral deeps a week, which good for Dr. Kim. I can't imagine having to do that twice a week, all month. And how would you improve your program? That's a tough question. I would say right now we have a hand surgeon who is hand specialty trained. However, he doesn't do a lot of hand surgery anymore. He more focuses his practice on general plastic surgery, breast reconstruction, things of that nature, since he started building our breast reconstruction program up in Saratoga also. So I think having a little more hand exposure, which we, like Deepa mentioned, get from the orthopedic surgeons in the area, they really do help us out. But I would say just for a little more exposure for people interested in hand, that may be one weakness that we could alleviate with a, another hand surgeon coming to the program, which may happen in the future. Meg, I think what you also mean is probably elective hand, right? Yes, more elective, because certainly not trauma, hand, <laughs> not uh, fractures, not revision amputations. We are totally set on that, but more of the, again, bread and butter sort of hand surgery that we just don't get as much exposure to except for select months throughout residency. And I think at the VA, we do get a lot of elective hand and we don't cover distal radius um, or wrist, the main medical center, but we do wrist and a, a lot of elective hand at the VA. Starting as a three, I think as a three, four and a five. We'll all do two months. I think this year, the threes, fours and fives all get a two month block at the VA this year, which is a really great experience. And you're the only resident there. So you are the chief and you're the junior and you're managing everything, which is nice. In terms of what I think that we could improve, I think that we're actively trying to work on the areas that we're trying to get more exposure in. Like I mentioned, we're actively recruiting for gender affirmation surgeons. So that is a drawback that we don't currently have that. We don't do bottom surgery, but I'm hopeful that, that will change soon. Now, I would love to transition to hear more about your leadership. So I think you said you're program director is also your chief of the division. So I'd love to hear more about working with him and his leadership style. Dr. Patel is very supportive of his residents. I mentioned this before, but if you have an idea and it makes sense, he will fully support you to um, make sure that it happens. He is very busy operatively, which is cool because when you think of someone that is the program director and the chief, just assume that they, you know, may not operate as much, but he he is a great teacher in the operating room and he will walk you through the steps of the procedure. And importantly, he'll let you do the steps of the procedure. It's always a great experience being in the operating room with him. I agree. He is, of course, very busy. And I think he has a lot on his plate to having both roles and also managing all of us and all of the other attendings and actively hiring, like we were saying, recruiting more people. But he really does take his time, especially in the operating room, to really teach you. He really enjoys walking people through surgeries. He wants you to understand every step. He wants you to be perfect in your technique. So he will prolong a surgery if need be to teach you what you he thinks you need to learn from the surgery, which is really nice when you're working with him. Can you tell me about a time when you or one of your co-residents brought up an issue, let's say to him? I will say during COVID, it was an especially trying time for everyone, but he was very conscientious of us being safe. He, we actually ended up cutting out part of the team so that everyone wasn't coming into the hospital every day to do work unless necessary. 
just because he didn't want us to have the exposure to COVID, especially in the beginning when it was new and no one really knew much about it. So he was one of the few of the program directors and all of the leadership in the hospital. He really did try to protect his residents and make sure that we were being as safe as we possibly could be while still taking care of patients, which I thought was very kind of him, especially in the moment. This may not even be an example of where there was a problem or a conflict, but something that we did for a while, which I thought was actually really cool, was that every Friday we would have um, a PM meeting after the day was done and he would stay and wait for us. And we would talk about, it would be the entire service team. We would sit and talk about what went really well, what was a good example of teamwork, what you think, or what we think could have gone a little bit better, what we hope to carry into the next week. So involved reflection on our own behaviors, on what we could have done better and what we could do better as a team. And I enjoy that because sometimes you have frustrations and you aren't able to talk about them or like you just have to push them to the back of your mind because you have so much other stuff going on. So it's like a nice forum to be able to speak freely. And what kind of a role do residents have in decision-making when it comes to things like picking new residents or hiring new faculty? We all have our social hour um, where we meet all the applicants. And I think that if all of the residents or some of the residents get really negative vibes from um, a particular person, I think our word is taken very seriously because of course we want a good strong team member and we want to enjoy who we work with and the attendings want to enjoy working with that person too. So I think our word carries a lot of significance in terms of maybe warning signs is the best way to put it. And in terms of faculty, the chief residents get to interact with whoever is being interviewed. We usually go out to lunch with them or even have conversations with them. It's not like a formal interview where the chief is interviewing per se, but we get to provide our input as well. And how would you say your program promotes diversity and inclusion and or helps you develop into a culturally competent resident? Our residency, I think, is like the shining example of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have a super, super diverse array of residents. Our program is extremely female-friendly. I think we're majority females now, Mm -hmm. is it? Yeah, I think we are majority female, and we're just, it's very diverse. And if you look at the website, if you look at the pictures of all of us, there's, I don't know if there's one class where someone doesn't come from a different background. A lot of our residents grew up in a different country and came here. It's just, it was really great for me, especially growing up in, I am, of course, my name's Megan Gray. I am, of course, very white. And I grew up in a very small town and I had no diversity growing up in my town at all. So I think just as I've gone through all of my education through the years, it's been really great to be exposed to more diversity. And I do like our program for that because I think the diversity also benefits us when we have consultations, when we're thinking about issues, uh, we all have a different perspective to bring, not only in the medical aspect, but even just interacting with patients. You find that certain residents have a better skill set with a certain type of patient than others. So I think it really plays to all of our strengths as we go through residency. And can you tell me a bit more about the relationships amongst the residents? We hang out all the time. We, I think it really says something when you spend up to 70, 80 hours a week with a team, and then you actually want to see them again outside the hospital. So we have a very good working relationship with each other, both in and out the hospital. And the chief that just graduated last year, like 
one of my best friends and she'll always be one of my best friends. We, I think really get along. I can't stress that enough. What are some qualities you would say of a applicant who would fit well as a resident in your program? Down to earth. Definitely. I think we're all pretty hardworking just given, especially the workflow on some days get very crazy on service. And so I think that's a major advantage is just knowing that any member of the team can be called upon to see something and they're going to get the work done. Even if it takes however many hours, we're going to stay late and we're going to get the work done every day. So I think that's another advantage. But I was going to say, going along with the down to earth, we all are just very, I think that's why we all get along so easily is we're all just of course, not easygoing people, because really no one that goes into surgery is going to be an easygoing, super chill person. But we all do have the mentality that in the end of the day, we're going to take care of the patient and it's going to be okay. And it's, we're going to make it happen somehow. So people that just can go with the plan and take the hits as they come, basically. Now I'd love to hear a bit more about how like residents live in Albany. So do most tend to own or rent? I would say most of us actually rent now. Before we, our two sheets last year were actually from the Albany area or they married someone in the Albany area. So they owned, but now I think pretty much every single one of us rents. I know that there's a ton of new housing options popping up. I currently live in one of them. I'm obsessed with my building. I have a super nice gym. I have a separate yoga meditation studio. I have conference rooms where I can go and study. The best part about my apartment, I will say, is that I have a heated garage, so I never have to be cold ever or scoop myself out of the snow in the morning before rounds at some ungodly hours. So I would say definitely renting. And honestly, if you read books or articles or anything about this, just given our length of residency, renting versus buying almost evens out by the end of your six years. That's not a plug to rent or anything like that, but I do think the convenience and ease of renting is much better. And again, because we're more of a suburban, smaller town vibe, you don't have the crazy prices that you have to pay. So you can live somewhere really nice, like where Deepa lives or where I live. I have an outdoor pool in the summer that I can go to after work, even if I want to. I also have covered parking, so I never have to shovel my car in the winter at all. I don't have to search for street parking like I have in my past life and other places that I've lived in the cities. So it's just really nice to know that, you know, if you want to live across the street from the hospital and walk to work, you can and you can afford it. And if you want to live right where I live, down by the Hudson River, somewhere a little outside of the area, just 10 minutes away, you can. So it's really a large breadth of options that you have here, and they're all pretty affordable. And so in relation to like your main site or some of the other locations, like where do residents live? I think we all live because we take home calls. We have to live pretty close to the hospital. But so I would say everyone lives within 15 minutes of the hospital. I have a four minute drive in the morning. So, and there's housing options like literally right next to the hospital, which some people prefer because it's very convenient. I'm one of those people that don't want to see the hospital the first thing I wake up in the morning on my day off. So I like to have a little bit of distance. Within, I would say downtown Albany is where pretty much everyone lives. And what's the breakdown of residents being single, married, and or having kids? So no one has kids right now. Our chief just had a baby last year. He's the cutest little man in the world. Both our chief had babies last year. I think the majority of us are in relationships. Almost all of us are in relationships. We're still single on our taxes, but we are in relationships. 
And some of us even do, I was going to say, I, the entirety of my residency have been doing a long distance relationship with my boyfriend who is over at Harvard. So I have been commuting to Boston back and forth. And likewise, he comes here, especially when I was very busy and I could not go there because I was constantly on call my first year being an intern and doing general surgery rotations. So it is possible to do that here. And because of our, again, proximity to Boston and New York, if you have a long distance partner, it is easier to manage than other places. In general, how has your program responded to residents that have kids? I was able to see my chief last year go through being pregnant and having a baby and everyone, including the residents and the attendings were so, so, so accommodating. And it really, honestly, I was so impressed by it and I wasn't even like necessarily directly affected by it, but childcare is a real thing. If your babysitter is leaving at 5 PM and you need to be home. Yeah. We make sure that we get you home. If you have doctor's appointments because you're pregnant, we make sure that we cover for you. So I think that is a real strength of our program is that we'll always have each other's backs and we cover for each other. And then the attendings on top of that are always very understanding as well. If your kid is sick, obviously your kid is your priority. So whatever that person needs, we make sure it happens. And is it necessary to have a car? Yes, you do. But again, you can afford it. It's fine. (laughs) So for the Saratoga rotations, right now you said it's just a few days a week. So I assume you don't have like a place to stay up there. So for now, people commute when they have to go there, right? Yeah, it's like a 45 minute drive. It's not terrible because it's like a straight shot on the highway. So it's really pretty simple. And it's actually a nice town. Yeah, it's a nice place to visit too. And you only work like a normal shift. So what do you like about living in Albany? So I lived in Chicago and Baltimore before I moved to Albany. So it was definitely very different coming here. But I will tell you, I love being able to get into my car and drive anywhere that I need to. It's a breath of fresh air. Trying to get to the grocery store on the L was just a huge pain. So it's honestly really nice that everything is so convenient and within driving distance. I love that Manhattan is two and a half hours away. Boston's like two and a half hours away. The Catskills, Adirondacks, Saratoga, like everything is, there's so many day trips that you can take from Albany. There's always something nearby that you can do. There's the Finger Lakes. There's so many things that I want to do within the Northeast before I leave. And I just haven't been able to do all of them yet. So if you like the great outdoors and I'll be honest, I'm not even like the most naturey person out there. And I always have something to do here. I've had many hikes. We're really into hiking. And I even took a vacation week to literally go to the Adirondacks and just hike up there. So I have hiked extensively this area and I still feel like I haven't even done everything you can do because there's so many things to do up here. And again, because I go to Boston a lot, those opportunities are all around there going to all the towns along the coast and things like that. It's just, it's a nice area to live if you're used to the Northeast, especially. Some people get a bit shell-shocked by the weather when they first move here, but it's pretty typical Northeast weather in Albany. It's nothing crazy snowy like in Buffalo, but it's certainly not without its snow and cold weather in the winter. Sure. And there's covered heated parking. Not heated, but there is a, a parking garage. We all get free parking too, so you don't have to worry about paying for parking or anything. I come from Chicago and my husband and I were long distance for a year or so when he was there. And it was consistently colder in Chicago than it was in Albany. So it's really not that bad. 
Awesome. So that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today. Any final thoughts either on your program or on the general process of choosing a residency? In terms of general process of choosing a residency, go where you feel most at home. The prestige of a place is not everything. I'm not like trying to put down one program or the other, but just go where you feel comfortable because at the end of the day, residency, positive surgery residency is six years long. And if you go somewhere for the name or for someone else or for the wrong reasons, you're just going to be so miserable. So go where it makes you happy. Any single best piece of advice you would give to an applicant who's like doing a sub-I or coming to interview? It's just, it's so much fun interviewing. I remember doing it and just, it was stressful, but it's also really exciting. You get to meet a ton of cool people that you end up keeping tabs on really the rest of your career because you're all going to be plastic surgeons, which is a really cool camaraderie to have. I think that the biggest advice and the thing I got most asked about when I was interviewing were things that were not even related to research or anything like that. It was really my personal statement and kind of little touches or little things that attendings that wrote your letters wrote about you. So really developing relationships with those people who can then vouch for you and help you out in the future. Even if you're not the star applicant, if you're not the perfect person on paper, it can almost make your application null if you have an amazing letter from someone. So really develop those relationships would be my advice. How could interested applicants find out some more about your program? They are free to email either of us. We have an Albany Med Instagram that they can connect with us through that. They can email Dr. Patel. They can email program coordinator. We're always happy to chat with people that are interested in the program and tell them more about it. Yeah, come visit. Thank you both so much for speaking with me today. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service, and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.